So good to see you here this morning. Uh, For Sunday worship, we welcome you one and all, whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, a warm, warm welcome to Northwest Hills. We're glad you're here. If you're a guest in the seat back in front of you, you'll find a card that says welcome. uh, And we'd love for you to fill that out. And I'd love a chance to uh, snag that from you and greet you and meet you personally right over here at the black table after the service. Prayer cards there as well. If you have a matter that needs prayer attention, uh, it's all there. And we would love to hear from you, pray with you, greet you as a guest, a warm welcome to all. Many of you will be joining us back tonight for a very special dinner right here at Northwest Hills, celebrating 50 years of ministry. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, let's put our hands together and thank God for his faithfulness. But I want you to know that the night is designed very specially. We'll be looking back and honoring our past, but we'll also be looking ahead and building our future. And so it's an exciting time to glance in the rearview mirror and to honor uh, with thanksgiving all that God has done, but also to look together through the large glass up front as to all that God is doing and is going to do. The greatest way we can honor our past is by building a godly future forward for the generations that are yet to come. So it's a really exciting time. Uh, we have uh, just, uh, just under 300 folks that will be here tonight and enjoying dinner together. And if you somehow missed it, you say, Pastor Mike, we've been out of town. Pastor Mike, we've been sick. Pastor Mike, we've just been hiding under a rock, avoiding all social interaction for two weeks, which, you know, that happens sometimes. We're, we, we're tempted to that at times. Uh, I have a couple of tickets left. Uh, these have now reached a value of $100 a piece. I'm just kidding. Uh, they are complimentary tickets. Uh, and if you would like to get in, I've got about six tickets left. And, and once these are gone, we're just... We've reached our maximum capacity for seating and uh, for uh, food distribution. And we don't want to short anyone who has already RSVP'd. So thank you for doing that. If you've already RSVP'd, you're good. You're in. We'll be ready for you. And it'll be a fun, fun time starting at 5.30 tonight. Doors open at 5.15. Starts at 5.30. It'll be a fun Uh, encouraging, inspirational time as we kick off our Thanksgiving season here at Northwest Hills with a wonderful meal together. Absolutely, totally the heart of our elders to have a celebration dinner, uh, celebrating the goodness of God to the Northwest Hills family. And my goodness, how good he has been to us. Amen, church? Amen to that. Uh, In addition to honoring veterans, I'd like to have a prayer with you, if you'd be willing to pray with me, for all of our friends uh, in the state of California who are dealing with really severe wildfire issues right now. We have some former Northwest Hills friends who are down there in ministry and in camp ministry and and having to evacuate camps and homes and and thousands of people facing evacuation orders. And I was looking at a little bit of that yesterday, and it was really breathtaking. And um, while we're obviously north of all of that and somewhat removed, those folks are still close to our thoughts and in our thoughts and close in our prayers and Uh, And I thought it would be wonderful if we could just together this morning pray for them, uh, that God would be with them with all they're dealing with, uh, with the fires down south. Let's pray together, folks. Father, thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness. And Lord, we've got so many friends and family members and acquaintances who live down in the 
uh, regions of California who are dealing with these very terrible wildfires and families separated and, and uh, folks separated from their homes and church families trying to find places to meet today because of evacuations. And Lord, we just pray for them, that you would be with them, that you would surround them with your love, your grace and strength. Father, we would ask you to extinguish those fires, to give the great, wonderful firefighters and first responders great uh, strength and ability and protection as they battle those, Lord. And in all of it, Lord, we pray your will be done. And we ask you to be with folks today. We surround them with our love, our thoughts, and our prayers. We hold them up before you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And then finally, before we get into Acts chapter 2 this morning, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, I want to say a heartfelt congratulations. There was so much news for me to take in yesterday to our Crescent Valley girls and Corvallis boys for winning uh, both of them state soccer championships. How awesome is that? Huh? Wow. So clearly the girls and the guys in Corvallis can really kick the soccer ball and know how to handle themselves on the pitch, which is awesome. And we're so happy for those teams. And just a big congratulations. I was so excited to see that. Praying for these wildfire folks and folks impacted by that. Thinking of our services today, dinner tonight at 5.30. What an exciting time at Northwest Hills. And we're so glad you're here. And uh, the warmest of welcomes to you. Acts chapter 2 is where we'll find our place this morning. Uh, Verses 41 through 47, very briefly. I'm going to go through the message very quickly this morning. I want to save some time at the end to share a couple of personal, very personal words of testimony with you from two weeks ago. I was uh, gone last weekend. Pastor Josh filled in for me, did a wonderful job. Thank you, Josh, for doing that. And we talked about the fact that as a church, we're missionally oriented. We not only want to do ministry here at Northwest Hills, but we want to be active out in our community, out in our nation, in our world with the good news of Jesus. In this series, This Is Us, we're talking about our five historic core values those things that ground us, those uh, banks on our river, those guardrails on our road that keep us focused as a church family. And we've talked about the fact that we're Bible-based in all that we do. And as a church and as a leadership and as a staff, we have come together to say that we believe the Bible is God's word. And it's an authoritative guide for faith and practice. It's literally 66 love letters from the heart of God to your heart. Now, we're keenly aware that not everybody in the house this morning is, is potentially there. You may be here exploring faith. You may be here uh, looking into the Word of God, and you're seeing, is the Word of God a trustworthy guide for life? And we completely get that. And I want you to know that this is a safe place to go on that exploration. For I dare to say that nearly everyone in the room at some point or another have, has found themselves at that moment where we were looking at the word of God and saying, is this truth? And um, is the Bible a reliable guide? And we've looked at the Lord Jesus and and we've asked ourselves that, that ancient biblical question, what will I do with Jesus? And if you're in that place this morning, this is a safe place to explore Christ, to explore the claims of the scriptures and to explore Christianity. And we are glad you're here. 
And we don't mind to ask and to wrestle and to, and to wrangle with the tough questions with you about the scriptures. And we believe that the Bible is a reliable guide. And it is truth that you can build your life on. That's why the uh, ancient uh, Job said he esteems his words, the words of scripture, more necessary than his very physical food. The great Psalter, the psalmist of David, uh, the king of Israel, uh, second king of Israel, said that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Paul said to young Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman or workwoman in the word that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The beloved apostle John, one of our Lord Jesus' inner three, he laid his head on the chest of the Lord Jesus. Uh, they were brothers. They were, they, were, they were ones who were taking the hill together in the life and ministry of Christ. And John said, sanctify them, John seventeen seventeen. Through thy truth, thy word is truth. And upon this truth, you can build your life. We can build a church. You can build a relationship. You can build a a parenting model. You can build an employer-employee model. Uh, All of it is spoken about in the Word of God. And what a wonderful manual for life it is. And it also teaches us ultimately and most importantly how to be rightly related to God. And because we are Bible-based... We are also, as a church, gospel-centered. In fact, I would say, uh, in the uh, understatement of the day, you cannot be Bible-based without being gospel-centered. And as you get into the Word of God, you see the importance of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And we, as a church, have amazing good news to share with everyone who will listen. That God so loved the world, if we could summarize it into really the Bible in a nutshell that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, his name is Jesus. They can have everlasting life and they can have John 10, 10, life to the full. If you want to have a wonderful life and if you want to be better at life, allow Jesus to directly impact your life and allow his word to be your guide. And he will make all the difference in your life from the end side out. We're Bible-based. We're gospel-centered. We're missionally oriented. Pastor Josh brought us there very well last time. And we're community-focused or community-driven. Community is an important thing to us. In fact, once you look into the Bible and you come face-to-face with the claims of Christ and you discover what it is you're going to do with Jesus and you make that decision to receive him in the pardon and forgiveness of sin, you respond to his drawing work in your life. Salvation is originated by God, instituted by God, received by man, and you open up the greatest love gift ever given for yourself. His name is Jesus. The next logical step is to connect with the community of other Christ followers where we can continue to grow and learn and develop our walk with him. And that's exactly what we see happening in Acts chapter 2. This is what is called Pentecost. This is, if you will, really the formal beginning of the church as we know it. And Peter preaches this incredible message at Pentecost. And it's interesting what happens in verse 41 of chapter 2. Those who believed. Think about that that Bible in a nutshell, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever, what church, believes. That's the action step. We believe. We stop going our way with life, 
and we make a about face, we make a turn, and we look at what Jesus has done for us in his death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel, the good news, we unwrap that for ourselves, we believe. And then from the inside out, through that work of Christ, our life as a man, woman, boy, or girl is transformed by the gospel or good news of Jesus. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 of them in all. Unbelievable. Can you imagine? What a day. They had put their faith and trust in Christ on that exact day. They took what had happened on the inside, heart to heart between them and God through Christ, and they made it public as they went public with their faith in Christ in baptism. They made that public identification that an inward change had occurred as they believed. And they put their faith and trust in Christ. They were baptized, about 3,000 in all. And then look what immediately begins to happen. In my Bible, it says the believers form a community. The believers form a community. They come together as a church family. They form a faith community where they gather around the person and work of Christ and all that he has done in their life. And look what they do. There's really four things that I want you to see, really five very quickly. And then I want to share how God is working this out at Northwest Hills uh, this very season. All the believers, it's an important word here, devoted themselves. It's a really powerful word in your New Testament. They devoted themselves. The idea there is that they went all in. They went all in. Mind, heart, emotion, will. All of the entirety of their era of being, this is what they focused on in the context of a spiritual community as friends gathered who had been impacted by the work of Christ in their life and in his death, burial, and resurrection. They went all in. They devoted themselves, mind, heart, body, soul, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. That's the important phrase right there, with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The gospel work kept spreading. The good news kept expanding. In fact, it's just exactly like the start of the old cowboy and western TV show called Bonanza. Now, I asked this question. It's funny. At, uh, at 9 o'clock... And a lot of people knew the show Bonanza. A lot of people, yes. But it was funny. Everyone like under 30 went, hmm? And I went, oh boy. It was like a, a, a age dividing line. Who here has seen or you're aware or you remember the show Bonanza? Let me see your hand. Vast majority of you. Who here says, Pastor Mike, I promise we will not embarrass you or call you out. Pastor Mike, I don't know what in the world you're talking about. Let me see your hand. Aha, there they are. There they are. There are the young ones. Enjoy your youth, my friends. Be blessed. Oh, we are jealous of you, and you've got great days ahead. 
We pray. That's awesome. That's awesome. The beginning of Bonanza, what happens in that old cowboy western show? What is set on fire at the beginning of that show? Who can tell me? Let me hear it, church. That's right, a map. And the map is just blazing with fire. You know what? That's exactly what's happening in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, the fire has been lit in chapter 2. And we're going to watch in this book the gospel and the work of God just spread across the known world of the time like that fire just consumed that map. That's what we see happening here. And as people were being impacted, as lives were being changed, they would gather in spiritual communities at Thessalonica, at Ephesus, at Corinth, at Galatia, in Philippi. They would gather there to learn more about God, to study his word, to draw together that they would find strength to be able to go out and live out this gospel in their world at that time. And by the way, during this time, it was tough to be a Christian. The Romans were still in rule. They were not at all um, uh, popular Christians. In fact, they were in many corners and in many places hated, and they were, they were uh, persecuted, they were pressured, and it was, it was difficult. Um, a very tough time. You've heard the gospel account where the Lord Jesus encourages us that if an individual asks you to go a mile... Jesus says, go with him, what? Two. Um, if he needs a coat, give, give him a coat. If you have the means by which to provide. That whole scenario comes out of the relationship between believers and those Roman soldiers and those Roman leaders that were just ruling really with a, an iron fist in the day. And in fact, the uh, Roman soldiers would require young Uh, Jewish boys to carry their backpack up to one mile from that young man's home. And in fact, it was very common for for Jewish young men to go out uh, in all four directions from their house and to measure out one mile and to put a stake in the sand because that's how far they would have to carry the pack and they would carry it no more. And they were persecuted. And those Roman soldiers would come into a town. They would find these young Jewish boys and they would say, here, I want you to carry my pack. In fact, you've got to carry it. It's required by Roman law for you to carry it for one mile. And those young boys would carry it out to that stake. And they would say, that's it. No more. Here it is. But look what Jesus says. He comes along and says, what? If someone asks you to go a mile, go a mile. But as a Christ follower, not only go a mile, but do what, church? Carry it two miles. Go the extra mile to have the opportunity to demonstrate how your life has been changed and the love of Christ shed abroad in you. It was a difficult time to be a Christian. Today is a difficult time to be a Christian. But the gospel flourishes during difficult times for it is a light in darkness. It is salt when the world and the culture needs preserving It is life and light and hope and help where people cannot find those things and to find something to truly build their life on that's not shifting sand, but it is a solid rock. And this wonderful community strengthens each other to be able to go out of our doors and to share this good news of Jesus with everyone that will hear it. What did the community do? They devoted themselves, mind, body, soul, and spirit, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to gathering and sharing of meals. And I want you to see number one in verse 45 what they did. 
verse 46, they worshiped together. They worshiped. They gathered to worship the greatness and the majesty and the awesomeness of God. And that's exactly what we gather to do today. We gather to worship. We walk in and we pass the offering box and we drop in our tithes and our offerings. You know what, church? That's worship. That's just worshiping the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. We give to the Lord through the ministries of our church. Our gifts really aren't to the church, they're to the Lord. And we worship him with our tithes and our offerings. We worship him through singing. That's actually mentioned in here. They get together and they worship God. They praised him. They enjoyed his presence. They were having these small church services in homes. They were, they were meeting in small groups. They were meeting in large groups in the temple. They were reading the scriptures. They were establishing, watch this, the worship, the worship of God to be honored, to be praised, and to be adored in all things. And church, I'm here to proclaim today, he is worthy of our worship, of all the worship that we can give him. In fact, I find, I wonder if this just beats within your chest as it does mine. I wonder if this beats within your chest as it does mine, that when I praise him and thank him for all that he has done, I never feel like I'm able to do it as much as he is absolutely worthy of for how good he has been to us. He is worthy of our worship. And we gather in community, big gatherings, small gatherings, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Weeknight Bible studies, ladies group, men's group, student group, children's group, seniors groups. We gather to what? Number one, to devote ourselves to worshiping our great God. Number two, we gather to learn teaching. They devoted themselves, back up to verse 42, to the apostles' teaching. We gather to learn God's word. To open up these 66 love letters from the heart of God to our heart and to see everything that they have to teach us. I'm blown away by this command that we're given in our commission as a church. Go ye therefore into all the world and what church? Yeah, make disciples, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That is no short task. That is no short order. And we gather in our communities and we open God's word. And you know what we do? We learn all the things that God has to teach us about life, about holiness, about worship, about marriage, about parenting, about biblical finances, about the importance of gathering in community to celebrate the greatness of God and encourage each other so that we can go out of those doors and love our neighbors and let the love of Christ shine through us to all people. We learn about the truths of Scripture and how God has put it together to teach us the great historic story of redemption that God so loved the world. And we gather to learn We gather to be instructed from the word of God. They gathered for worship. They gathered for instruction. Look right there again in verse 42. They gathered for fellowship. They gathered for fellowship. The word fellowship is the idea of they gathered because they had something in common. And it really wasn't something they had in common. It was someone that they have in common. And his name is what church? Jesus, that's right. That's who he is. And we gather because we have Jesus in common because we have put our faith and trust in him and he has changed us from the inside out and put us on a path for heaven. 
and showed us the way to do life through his word. And he is changing us. And because we have put our faith and trust in Jesus, he has made us better at doing life. And he has made us better in life. And he's changed our hearts and our lives for time and for eternity. And everything is moving as he has touched our life. And we gather because we have him in common and he has made us right with the holy God and we gather to worship him and our great God and to celebrate and to learn from the word of God all that he has to teach us. Worship, instruction, fellowship. But look at the very beginning or at the very end what he has to teach us in verse 47. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people, each day the Lord, had, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we gather for worship and instruction and fellowship, and we gather for evangelism because we absolutely are convinced that the Lord is working in the hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls. And he is changing people from the inside out with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's changing them here inside these walls. He's changing them out in our community. He's changing them throughout our nation. And he is at work throughout our world. It is fascinating. I've sat on a couple of different occasions with missions leaders who tell me, and these people are very spiritually mature They're very grounded. They're very, very biblically oriented. And they tell me how God is at work among the Muslim communities in our world and among our Muslim friends. And you know how God is at work in their lives right now? They are coming and seeing the loving Jesus in visions and dreams. And here I am, a Baptist boy, born and bred, going, what? Well, that doesn't necessarily match up with my theological boxes. And God says, uh, yeah, I'm bigger than your theological boxes. I'm God. I can do whatever I want to do with whomever I want to do it. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And we try to understand the scripture. We try to understand how God works. We see how it all comes together, how it all works out. And to hear and to see these just very quiet powerful testimony of God drawing people to himself through visions and dreams. You know what they see in these visions and dreams? They see a loving Jesus with his hands outreached to them. And then they find themselves going to places that they dream of to learn more about this Jesus. And there they're intersecting with people who are there to tell them the story of Jesus and his love. And I have to keep taking my jaw, right? And pushing it up and pushing it up. One uh, missionary leader, uh, significant missionary leader with our Southern Baptist friends, they were uh, taking a load of Bibles into either, and I I cannot remember, either Iraq or Turkey. And they had a, a significant caravan of Bibles that were coming in. They were bringing them in to disperse them. They were bringing them in very quietly. And the moment they cross the border, there's a large group of men waiting there for them. And the one leader said to me, Mike, I started to sweat. He said, I thought, this is it. We're busted. I mean, we're, this is a problem. Here we go. 
And he said, the individual flagged them down. And he said, I went over and talked to him as the leader of our group. And the gentleman said, we don't know why we're here, but we've seen the outstretched loving arms of Jesus and dreams and visions, and he's told us to be here. We don't know why we're here. The guy said, well, I can tell you exactly why we're here. And we have something for you that will tell you more about this Jesus and his love for you. He said it was one of the most significant moments in my missionary life as I thought we were absolutely getting ready to come face to face with just a major problem only to realize that we are being linked with people with whom God is working in their hearts. Church, we serve a mighty God who is at work in people's lives all around us. And people are coming to Christ and lives are being changed, not only here, there, but everywhere, as he is a great big global God at work in the hearts of people today. Somehow I think it's easy for us to sort of just compartmentalize this to something that's happened years ago, this, that's just something that we rejoice in, but somehow it's, it's not for us today. Church, I'm here to proclaim it is for us today. And we have that baton of the gospel that we are carrying forward into this day. And we believe that God is going to do a work in and through this place and in all the places around the world because his heart is for the world. They devoted themselves as a community of faith to worship and to the good news of the gospel and to teaching the word of God and to fellowshipping together and to evangelism and seeing people come to faith in Christ. And then I want to add one other. Fifthly, they committed themselves to caring for each other. Do you notice what it says there? With great generosity, they shared meals, they shared joy, they shared blessing And they shared whatever was necessary with those, I underlined this in my Bible, with those in need, with those in need. We want to be a spiritual community that's very akin to those in our spiritual community who are in need and what we can do to help meet those needs. As God has blessed us, we don't become reservoirs of his blessing. We become rivers or channels of his blessing through which his blessing flows through us to those who are in need true need. And they helped those in the community who were in need. Look at this faith community that's formed right after the the moments of Pentecost. This faith community forms, and, and I love what they do. They worship, they find biblical instruction, they fellowship together. You know what I love about it? It was a joyous fellowship. They're enjoying meals, they're breaking bread, they're celebrating the goodness of God. That's exactly what we're going to do tonight. And they continued to watch God draw people to himself and bring people face to face with the finished work of Christ. And the Lord kept adding to the church. And then the church was sensitive to those who had needs and they met those needs in any way and every way they could. And people were loved and cared for. And they were all growing as they were opening the scriptures and seeing what it really means to be a follower of Christ as a husband, as a mom, as a grandpa, as a grandma, as a son, a daughter, an employer, employer. And what the scriptures teach us about how to do life in a godly and effective way. And the community developed and the community was knit and the community 
expanded. And that is exactly what we're asking God to do at Northwest Hills, to grow our community, to knit our community, and to expand our community as we have the opportunity of pointing people to Jesus. I want to encourage you with the fact that I'm seeing that happening. I want to tell you, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four quick stories. And you notice I went through those points really quickly because I wanted to save some time to share these four stories with you. From two Sundays ago, I was out of town last Sunday. Um, and, um, and so I, I missed a week of, of relaying this to you guys. But after this service two weeks ago was an amazing time. In fact, it probably was one of the most significant times of ministry to date for me, at least, here at Northwest Hills. And it was really funny the way it developed because as the service concluded at, uh, at about five minutes from now, as this one will, uh, I went over to my table here and I was waiting there to greet guests and meet some new friends and welcome some more people to Northwest Hills. And the sweetest young high school lady came up to me and said, Pastor Mike, I, I want to ask you to pray for me. I have an opportunity to share my faith with an individual um, and I want you to pray that I can do a good job sharing my faith with that individual. And this young lady was so mature, so serious, so um, impressive that I said, wow, I'm blown away by your heart of sensitivity to share the good news with somebody that you care about and let me pray for you. And I did. And I, I was deeply touched by a young person with a heart's desire to be a, a sharer of the good news of Jesus. Another friend was here waiting for me and said, Pastor Mike, I want to introduce you to another friend of mine. I met another friend. This friend I met um, is a brand new friend uh, to Northwest Hills. And um, this individual that I visited with briefly said to me, Pastor Mike, I'm not a Christ follower. And today I've heard this gospel of Jesus. And I, and boy, what a perplexed look on his face. I'm leaving here contemplating what will I do with Jesus? And I said, sir, let me tell you something. Look me right in my God-given eyeballs. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you this as straight as an arrow. That is the most important question that you will ever answer in your life. What will you do with Jesus? For what you do with Jesus in a relationship or the choice not to have a relationship with him will determine whether you spend an eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. I'm just giving it to you straight. You have no time to pussyfoot around here. He says, man, what will I do with Jesus? And he walked out the door. That's okay. I come back to my table. Another individual says, Pastor Mike, we have a family member that is ready to receive Jesus right now in this service. I said, wonderful. I went and I talked to that individual. I bowed on one knee. We grasped hands and that individual right there prayed to receive Jesus and the pardon and forgiveness of sin, put his faith and trust in Jesus. The entire family rejoiced. There were tears of joy and blessing. Wow. So awesome. I go back to my table. And I see my friend. Oh, by the way, every time I'm, 
I go out to the lobby to talk, I come back. My wife's talking to Michelle. They had a very long conversation. Talking to Michelle Ewis right here. And I said, Jamie, you're not going to believe this. I, I go back. I said, Jamie, you're not going to believe this. I, she said, keep going. <laughs> I come back to my table. Back in the back, third row from the back, is my friend Sandy Paul. And she goes... I go back. Sandy has brought a relative from the state of Washington to church. He said, it's the first time I've been in a church in over 30 years. He says, I thought the roof would fall in. I said, oh, there's been a lot worse in here than you in the last few weeks. And they're, and they're, that's even elders. <laughs> he laughed. He laughed. He said, oh, that made me laugh. He said, that's good. I'm kidding. I said, no, the roof's not going to fall in. He said, Pastor Mike, I'm not a Christian. He said, but I want you to know this. I'm not a person who makes decisions quickly. I said, I can tell that. You could have cut the convicting power of the Holy Spirit with a knife. I, I cannot tell you the last. In fact, I can tell you the last time it was like that, I was teaching on a Wednesday night in Hillsborough, Oregon, and a gentleman stood up right in the middle of a Wednesday night prayer meeting. I'm dating myself. Stood up right in the middle of a Wednesday night prayer meeting, and he said this, I cannot leave this building before I receive Jesus as my Savior. He's now an executive for Intel in Hillsborough. And I've never seen the palpable power of God fall like that in a service than that did on that night. It, was, it blew me away. This was similar the convicting power of the Holy Spirit was so present. And to see this, I mean, he was white-knuckling it on a chair just like this in front of him. And the words were just right here, just right here on my lips. And I'm, my, my shirt is soaked with sweat. My, I kid you not, my mind is racing because right here on my lips, right here was, listen, do you want to receive Jesus right now as your Lord and Savior. But church, I promise you, it was just like there was just a stop on my mouth. And he said, Pastor Mike, I want to tell you, I don't make decisions quickly. I said, you know what? I get that. Sandy's sitting there. She's going, she's watching this. And I could tell she's, it was unbelievable. I said, well, listen, man. I sense that God is really at work in your life. He, he's trying to get your attention. In fact, I can just feel him present in this conversation. You know what he says to me? I can as well. I said, would you mind if I just pray with you that, that God would show himself strong to you in the next days and weeks ahead? And, and would you be willing to come back for one of our Christmas services and just you and I visit after that service and you tell me, what it is that God has been showing you about himself. He said, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And so I prayed for him. We shook hands. He's already contacted Sandy and made his plans to come back. God is at work in his life. God has drawn him. That just wasn't the right moment. It's all between him and God. And I just, I just watch. I, I, I. And this was just a great lesson for me. This is all about him and God. God, this is your work. I'm just a divine signpost just going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's all we are. Jonah makes it clear. Salvation is of the Lord. 
Initiated by God, received by man. But here's what I want you to know, Northwest Hills. God is at work in our church. God is still drawing and saving people. Don't you think for a minute that his hands are tied, his heart has gone cold, the light is out. Oh no, the light is on, his heart is beating, he is at work, and those individuals in your family, in your neighborhood, on your street, at your job, can absolutely still be reached with the love of Christ. What an exciting time to be involved in what God is doing. And it's not just in those places around the world. Can I just tell you this? He's doing it here. And we get to get in on what he's up to. And that excites my heart. You say, yeah, but that's what the pastor does. Well, I should be doing that, yes and amen. But listen, you can get in on it as well. My job today is to inspire you that you can get in on it as well. As you humbly and boldly and lovingly take this good news and just every day say, Lord, show me the opportunity to sow the seed, to share the good news of the saving grace of Jesus. Sometimes I think we read these scriptures and think, man, it would have been cool to have been alive then. Wow, it would have been neat to have been there to see that. My friends, we can see it happen today. As we as a spiritual community come together and pray, we're going to talk about that next week, and seek the face of God and share the good news and love people to Christ and be sensitive to what he's doing and celebrate together what a mighty God we serve who is worthy of our worship and in the midst of our worship and in the midst of studying his word and in the midst of loving and inviting people, we can see God do amazing and mighty things. And you can see it and I can see it and we can see it. And you know what it'll do? It'll make our gathering so much sweeter when we come together and praise God and enjoy the goodwill of all the people and just look and see who the Lord is adding to their fellowship daily as he is doing a mighty work around us. Father, we thank you that you're still alive and well. Jesus, that your work on this earth over 2,000 years ago is still alive and well. And you're still drawing people into yourself. Today, we thank you, Lord, that you love us. Today, we thank you, Jesus, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And where religion has come up short, you always meet the need. Where there's questions, you're always, Jesus, the answer. Your word is our guide. Incredible. And Jesus, we're thankful that you're at work in our midst. We're seeing you at work. We're seeing people come to faith. We're seeing people leaving here wrestling with the fact that they don't have you in their life and trying to figure out if they want you in their life. That's so powerful. I wonder if that's you today. You made your way here this morning. You say, Pastor Mike... I don't know the Lord. He's been working on me. He's been drawing me. Pastor Mike, I appreciate if you'd pray for me. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. I wouldn't embarrass you in any way. 
You say, Pastor Mike, that's me. I don't know the Lord. And he's been working on my life. He's been drawing me. And I'm spiritually unresolved. Without mentioning my name, I'd appreciate it if you'd pray for me because that's my situation. If that's you this morning, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed in the privacy of this moment, would you just put your hand up? Especially Mike, pray for me. I'm spiritually unresolved. I would not embarrass you or call you out in any way, but I, I want to pray for you in the closing prayer. That's me, Pastor Mike. I'm spiritually unresolved. Just slip your hand up anywhere across this sanctuary. God bless you, young man. I see you. God bless you. Anyone else? I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Lord, you've seen the honest hearts and the honest hands here. I want you to know if you raise your hand that after the service, I'll be back over here at my table. And I or a sincere member of our family here, our community would love an opportunity to show you from the scriptures how you can settle this matter once and for all. We are here to serve you and to show you from the scriptures how you can be rightly related to a holy God. If you... If you're ready to take that step, I'd love to meet you here, right there. For those in this room who have made that step, we gather together in community today to rejoice in the goodness of God. What a mighty God we serve. For those who are here still exploring, I don't know about the Bible, Pastor Mike. I don't know about this Jesus, Pastor Mike. This is new. I'm exploring faith. Can I tell you how honored we are that you're here? And this is a wonderful, loving place to explore what a relationship with God through Christ is really all about. And we welcome you in a community of faith. Father, for all you've done for us, we love you. We thank you. Today is a day of celebration in our community. Of 50 years of ministry, we look in the rearview mirror, we look out the big glass up front to all that you have for us. We believe the best days are yet to come as we walk with you, Jesus, and in your goodness and in your glory. We thank you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray.